This podcast is proud to be part of the TalkSport Fan Network. TalkSport. Powered by fans. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. The TalkSport Fan Network is proudly supported by Mook Delivery, bringing you the food you love. Mook Delivery brings a top-tier lineup of food right to your door. No matter the result, you'll always be winning with Mook Delivery. So the only thing left to say is, Georgie, check for Dadsy. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app, and you can also get rewards points delivered too. So the ordering today means some tasty rewards for tomorrow. <whistles> only via app at participating restaurants. 18 plus rewards registration required. Points only on menu items. Delivery free in terms supply. See mcdonalds.com. Leicester City have a penalty kick in the sixth minute of injury time. Injury time. Injury time. Look out, takes. Almunia saves. Look out, follows in. Almunia saves again. And now Wapner on the counter attack. Forestieri. Oh, I don't believe this. Here's Hawk. Dini. I do not believe what I've just seen. Troy Dini has scored from a Leicester penalty that was saved by Almunia. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. Do not scratch your eyes. You're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. Joining us this time round is Tom and Neil from Watford Gold. Good evening. How are you? Good evening. Yes. Good evening. Anyway, gents, lovely to have you here. Um, last time we spoke with you, Neil, you were joined with with Sarah for the 100 Years at the Vix exhibition that both you and Tom and Sarah curated the exhibition at the museum, which was, well, I went along a couple of times and it, it, it seemed to be a triumph. It, the, the reaction was, was seemed really, really good. Is that, is that how you, you saw it? Yeah, I think I'd describe it as a rampant success. There were a number of, uh, it, the visitors were into thousands, which is great. Um, Brilliant. It ran for two months. To be honest, I was probably a couple of hundred of uh, the visitors. <laughs> Every time I went there, I got drawn in and uh, took someone on a tour because I loved it myself. I loved seeing it all, you know, and it was fantastic fun. Yeah, I just hope that um, everybody else that visited the exhibition just got as much out of it as I did because it was so much fun to be involved in. It was a wonderful project to uh, collaborate with Neil and Sarah on and it was just an absolute whale of a time setting it up and it looked great to be fair. And I hope that, that people as they went round were just reminded of all of those wonderful memories that they that each other have got that they all have of visiting Vicarage Road over the years. They I think they absolutely did. I do hope nobody injured themselves on the uh, on the opening day because there may still have been a big pool of saliva where I was staring at the new third shirt uh, for most of the opening evening, I have to say. That was a thing of beauty. I like that very, very much indeed. Um, but of course, it wasn't just an exhibition. It was the whole the whole shebang. There's been merchandise at the club. There was the night of, of the Middlesbrough game where we decided to basically just arrange to be at the Vic 100 years ago, simply to wind up Middlesbrough wearing a Newcastle kit. Who knew? What a great idea. Um, so, so that was superb. And of course, the book as well. Guys, how was how was the Middlesbrough night for you? Did you did you get on the pitch and etc.? I'm going to let Tom answer that first. Ooh. Yeah, what a privilege it was. And the, the club let us know that 
we would both be involved um, with groups of other people who are involved in the Vicarage Road at 100 project that we'd be invited to join the club in hospitality, which was extremely generous of them and really great fun. But little did we know that they had other plans for us in store. And at half time, we were escorted to the bottom of the Graham Taylor lower stand and we were led onto the pitch onto the side of the pitch with some some legends of the club Stuart Scullion in particular mm. springs to mind as somebody who hadn't been to the ground for so many years and we were stood in such vaunted company it was quite a surreal experience sort of knowing that there's 20,000 people kind of watching what you're doing and uh, you feel very self-conscious I have to say so I'm not sure how the players cope with that on a week-by-week basis but yeah absolutely fantastic experience well yeah. done Tom um, and can I just say Tom well done for starting a sentence with we were escorted and for once on this particular podcast not finishing the sentence with out of the ground because that's that's a nice <laughs> thing I like that very much indeed <laughs> there's, there's much a the other way did the rounds after the uh after the Hull game the other day, that uh, there were two lads um, caught trying to break through the turnstiles and the uh, stewards picked them up and uh, forced them to watch the rest of the game. <laughs> Very good. Yeah. Yeah. We yeah. saw you were going there. Go on then, Neil. How, how, was, uh, how was the Middlesbrough game for you then? Uh, I think I've I've been to two FA Cup finals, two playoff finals. I think no three playoff finals. A few other bits, seeing us beat the league champions, Leeds. This that was the best night I've ever had watching Watford. To meet Stuart Scullion, I, I sat and had a chat with him for about three quarters of an hour after the game. Met loads of legends. Got Jeff Wickham, Wickham to sign my uh, my book, 22, uh, 20 pounds, 22 pence at the uh, Hornet shop, if anyone's interested. It was just a fantastic night. And then to score score the winner when we really didn't think we were going to, it was a fantastic night. Really, really good. Yeah, I was gonna. I, was, I would have had a bet on you, Neil, if I'd known you were playing. <laughs> yeah, believe me, I tapped it in. <laughs> oh, Neil Dunham, the crow, as we we call him, obviously. <laughs> so, I mean, you're you're on the pitch. You've done that. You mentioned you just mentioned the book there, which is available for twenty pounds twenty two pence. Except we all got the email today telling us it's twenty percent off, so it's no longer twenty pounds. Oh, wow. Do. You know, if you've got any last, you know, last idea of Christmas presents to get, just just saying, Mrs. Dunham, if you haven't wrapped it up already, you can get it for twenty percent off. There you go. Yeah, the sad thing is, I've got two copies already. <laughs> both both <laughs> signed by, by quite a few players. Yeah. yeah. I thought we were going to say both signed by Jeff Wickham. The second one, I didn't even ask him to. He just did it. <laughs> yeah, never mind. Anyway, gents, we came along. We saw the exhibition, the 100 years of the Vic, you know, the third shirt being used, the, the 100 years at the Vic being, being mentioned on all of the kits this season as well. It's been it's been done really, really well. Obviously, we are, you know, kind of on online and we have people, we have people ringing into spaces from Mexico and Dubai and um, America and Australia and all, all sorts of places around the world. And one of the things I thought when I was there was, I wonder what would be, you know, wouldn't it be great if some of this this fantastic stuff might be available remotely and, and kind of online for people and of course lo and behold i'm an idiot yes is, there yes. is such an archive available yes i know i'm an idiot carl i'm sorry <laughs> thanks 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 for once again puncturing my 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 moments of tension and build up like a yes yes remnant you're a knob we know that get on with it but watford gold is that and more Gents, you you guys are involved in, put, in having put all of this together. Tell us, tell us briefly, what is Watford Gold for, for for the people listening? Okay, so Watford Gold is an archive of Watford FC memorabilia going all the way back to the eighteen nineties, covering everything 
that you could possibly think of. So we've got the all of the items from the uh, uh, from the museum exhibition from the eighteen uh, nineties turnstile uh, all the way through to the latest poppy shirts that were used um, last month. It's huge archive. We've got about eight hundred items on there at the moment, adding more all of the time. We've also got a history section on there, which is a lot of fun. Uh, it's, it's a good read. We, we think it's a good read anyway. So it's kind of fairly lightweight, but heavyweight at the same time, if you can work that one out yourself. So that covers football in Watford from the early 1800s from Aldenham School through the very little known Hearts Rangers. There's a photo of Hearts Rangers on there that was previously undiscovered before we started the website. Then going through the early history of Watford with uh, documentary evidence to prove that Watford uh, were formed in 1881 because there are people from certain other clubs <laughs> trying to say that uh, Watford were formed in uh, 1898. But uh, we've got the proof. It's on the website. We'll probably put the uh, put some proof of the fact that the Watford players were stoned by Luton supporters on their first ever meeting, which has uh, been denied previously. But we've got first-hand evidence, oh. and it'll be going on the website. Excellent. So, so there's two sections to the website. One is history, and it is a good read. It's well worth looking at. And then the other section is memorabilia, which is everything that you can think of, apart from the underpants. We haven't got a pair of those yet. So if anyone's got a pair of Watford... <laughs> I can lend uh, you mine. Uh, no. What sort of condition no. are they in before are, you... Are they Watford branded pants or are they just your normal pants? Oh, okay. Sorry, I didn't understand. Okay, no problem. <laughs> yeah. any, any any pants that are post-cold are not different. I have, got, I have, I have still got the pants that I wore um, when I left the ground when we won 3-0. Which match was this? When we when we beat Liverpool three 0 and I, I was wearing I was, I was wearing just my undercrackers. Oh, those pants! Yeah, we've all yeah. seen them. Yeah, I, I, I wouldn't take those if I were you, chaps. Just say no. <laughs> just say well, no. Considering it, to be to be fair, most of the items on there are slightly better quality than that, and more Watford related. <laughs> definitely better quality. <laughs> I'll give you that. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we've got items from all sorts of places. So there's there's things from the a uh, lots from the museum. Sarah the museum has been. An absolute star as she always is mm. and we've delved deep into the archives in the museum so things that that you wouldn't normally see because you know they, they wouldn't necessarily be the first things that go on to an exhibition for the football club they're all on there as well Sarah's been an absolute gem uh, we've got things from the National Football Museum that relate to Watford mostly paintings and things and then of course all the stuff that was in the exhibition so floodlights and uh, and turnstiles and all sorts of things and match-worn shirts, of course, hundreds of them. Ah, and they've yeah, been unduly modest, I have to say, because he's included on the website his pretty well unrivaled collection of match-worn shirts. And I, in a tit-for-tat move, have put my uh, collection of small enamel badges, totalling a sort of uh, three or four hundred in number of Watford FC on there as well. In, on top of which, in uncountable numbers of pennants, scarves, flat caps, Christmas cards sent out by the club with generic pictures of candles. It's, it's a fantastic resource and um, Neil's worked so hard on it and uh, I've been very privileged to be involved in it as well. What the guys have listed there is literally just some of this. And it's it's a great site to just go and surf and kind of wheedle about and go, oh, 
I didn't know that. And what, but one of the things that came up, which I thought was, was astonishing, if you go if you go into it and you, you find a, there's a kind of the latest updates because there's so much stuff on it, but you you kind of, when you add new stuff on it, you you go to a kind of a latest update. So that if somebody goes in and spends all day looking at it, they're not necessarily going to trawl through it all again, but they could come back regularly and see what's been updated recently, can't they? Which I think is a great idea on there. So you can go in there, but there's a whole list of things that are on there. And the thing that caught my eye, and it could have been any number of things, was handbook because you, you, you talk about things that are like you know kind of oh well, there's some Christmas cards that some of them are mundane and some of them are amazing, but the handbooks are as well from like the fifties where it's all kind of just written out to the ones that I remember which were back in the eighties and probably another innovation under Graham Taylor or, or the late seventies and early eighties was suddenly these handbooks started coming out at the start of every season uh, the artwork is fabulous the the pen notes are, are are hysterical in some cases but but really insightful. So the question is, what kind of thing did you see that you went, ooh, like I did in a stupid way, that when you were collecting this? But secondly, where did you get all of this stuff from? Yeah, well, it's a good question. I mean, going back, going to the handbooks, a, a large number of the handbooks in the Ilm site belong to uh, Trevor Jones, who was uh, frankly an excellent historian, although he's he's been knocked by a couple of people uh, from other clubs. He was fantastic. And uh, a lot of the stuff has come from him. So the, the handbooks themselves, the earliest one is from 1899. And they're worth having a look at some of them because they've, they they were a little bit less, shall we say, club correct. Let's say club correct. And uh, <laughs> so handbooks sometimes actually say that someone's absolutely rubbish and they can't believe they're at the club. <laughs> and, and we need so, to yeah, bring they're, these they're back. We need to bring these back. (laughs) But yeah, I mean, what we've also featured on the site is, you know, obviously going to the museum and everything. There's a lot of people that come along and say, oh, I've got some of this stuff. And we've featured a a few people's collections so far. There's a a chap, um, Darren Gilliams, who's got a fantastic collection of match-worn shirts to add to mine. We've got uh, some of Nigel Gibbs's collection on there and things like that. So anyone that has a collection of old Watford memorabilia, you know, um, have a look on the website, watfordgold.org.uk. Click on the contribute button and uh, we'll come around and take some photos of your collection. People come along, you know, there's the uh, Giles and Gavin who had Sailor's Flag that you'll remember. In oh, the yes, yeah. Gavin's house is absolutely rammed with Watford stuff and it's absolutely brilliant. His mum and dad were huge Watford supporters. They've got a photo of uh, their granddad building the terraces in, I don't know, the 1930s or 1940s. I can't remember when. And, uh, you know, this stuff comes out of the woodwork and it's absolutely superb. The latest thing that's not quite on the website at the moment is um, I've just picked up a 1922 turnstile for Geo Orsden, the scrap merchant yeah. down uh, on the lower high street have had since 1986. And they've kindly uh, uh, brought that round to my house for me and we're just getting that restored. That will be going on at some point soon. So, you know, these things turn up and it, it's fantastic seeing it. That would look very conspicuously wrapped under a Christmas tree. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You, you might you might be able to spot that one, wouldn't you? I don't know. Yeah, if you'd seen <laughs> how how uh, um, the the wonderful Mrs. Dunham helped me um, take it through the side gate of the house, where we had to to actually turn the turnstile to get it in. <laughs> And, uh, yeah, the garden's not looking quite as good as it was. No, <laughs> I've got to say about the sailor's flag. I um I took a picture of it at the exhibition, and I sent it to my brother because we were both ball boys back in the eighties, and we remember sailor fairly fairly well, you know, very very fondly. And I literally just sent him a picture of the flag, and I said, "Look, there's sailor's flag," and he literally re- re- replied to me, "Fond memories of that." Now, how you can have fond memories of 
a flag, where, but it's probably more fond memories of Sailor, to be fair. But it was quite weird how seeing that again, I didn't realise quite how big it was, firstly, mm. but just to see it again was just like, oh my God, I remember him going up there at the end of every game and taking this flag down and folding it up and walking back to the tunnel with it. So it was just weird for me. That was That was more... Uh, special for me, I think, than the Observer Clock or some of the other stuff that Bricks, for example, which Peter seemed to be fascinated with, Bricks on Prince yeah. and that sort of thing. For me, it was that flag. It was just like, oh my God. You know, it's just it, like, does, it brings memories, doesn't it? I think uh, the, the weird one for me is not anything in the ground. It was the um, the train station sign. What, what, that, yeah, because I, I grew up on St. James Road. So we we used to go down there when it was all derelict and uh, as kids, and it just brought brought loads of memories about seeing that because obviously it's all, it's a housing estate now, pretty much. Yeah, well, I think we borrowed that off. Um, I think it's Stuart Murdoch, who was uh, not Stuart Murdoch. Stuart Murdoch was an old coach at Watford. Yeah, he was a coach. Yeah, and uh, we borrowed that off his family, and we haven't given it back yet. He <laughs> <laughs> yeah. might be listening to this. To <laughs> it was an interesting one because the exhibition was specifically about the ground, although. We did have the uh, the station hole thing there, so it was a little bit of a challenge to put it together because you know we wanted to put in a load of badges and match worn shirts and things. But uh, I'm sure at some point we'll we'll do a, a what for football club exhibition there rather than just the ground. Yeah. Mm. I'll tell you what was great for us going to that exhibition apart from all the wonderful exhibits you had there is when Sarah said do you want to play with the trophies and we went go on then (laughs) we ended up holding all the trophies that was fantastic that was putting our uh, purple latex gloves on and going oh excellent holding the playoff trophy from uh, 99-2000 or 98-99 whatever it was so that was absolutely fantastic yeah I noticed I got nominated to get them out though you did yeah because I thought if anyone was going to break them then it would be yeah that's on me thank you I appreciate that we wanted to see you sort of drop them and uh, no we didn't really we didn't really but no it's a great exhibition really enjoyable we, we went around with Nigel Gibbs which made it even more special for us he can, can I come around with you yes Nigel of course you can come around with us so yeah it was great fantastic chat yeah. but uh, yeah the, talking of those trophies I mean when Sarah's in the museum it's always worth going down there because if you ask she will get them out um, pardon the, the trophies that is, sorry. <laughs> I'm sorry I'm sorry I've just got to stop you there <laughs> I heard that <laughs> Um, but uh, yeah, they're, they're all featured on the, on the, the website, whatforgold.org.uk, including one from 1899, which is an old Rose Bowl. That oh, was, we uh, saw that. Yeah, 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 yeah. we saw that. Yeah. yeah. And how small yeah. is that one from the 2005-2006 playoff? It's tiny. Absolutely There's a story tiny. Is there? What's the story? <laughs> yeah. Well, when the uh, football club, they've got a very close uh, relationship with Sarah at the museum and Sarah now holds their archive and there was a lot of terrible trophies, absolutely terrible trophies down at the club, plastic things and all sorts. They're, they're all, most of those are currently in storage in mine and Tom's lofts actually, but Sarah picked up the, the second division trophy and the big playoff trophy and said, yeah, we got those. And that 2005 playoff trophy just sort of sat at the back like the... Uh, like the uh, Holy Grail. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, it was Tom that spotted it when we were taking the other ones because they were doing up a r- the room in the club that they were stored in. And we t- we volunteered to take them away like you'd expect us to do. And uh, Tom picked up this, picked up that one and said, oh, I, I, I recognise this one. <laughs> I'm glad you did because to start with, I'm thinking that can't be anything we've won recently. It's far too small. But looking back through the photos, yes, it sat in someone's loft, (laughs) undiscovered. We we did discuss for a short while about whether we should keep it or not. We thought, no, the club have shown a lot of trust in us here. uh, Yeah, I mean, you know, as trophies go, probably not worth writing home about, but it's nice to have held it or held the the replica, whatever. So, yeah, no, it's a great exhibition. Absolutely fantastic. So, a lot of those things that were at the exhibition are on the Watford Gold website. 
website, are they? Yeah, so there is a section. So as I say, there's a history mm. section, a memorabilia section. So you can find those in both of those sections. So in the history section, there's on the actual exhibition itself and then memorabilia, everything's shown in kind of more appropriate sections. So there's this one on trophies and medals. Um, Watford have won a lot more trophies and medals than people might think. I know the people up the road like to say we've never won a major yeah. trophy. But, yes. but we, are, we are the holders of the uh, biggest major football trophy in the world it is because it's six foot tall rather than <laughs> major one. right uh, what, what on earth's that that's the uh, sheriff of london shield which was the <laughs> precursor of the uh, the charity shield right and we won it against corinthian casuals in uh, about 1982 or something 84 something like that oh uh, was, what? That, was that where we changed the kit to the to the old green red and gold that's it yeah yeah so we, we, yeah we beat we, the last two times they played for it we won it and uh, then they've sold the trophy to someone in America now, so no one can play for it anymore. So we are the holders of it in perpetuity. Until someone buy, builds a bigger cup, we own the, we are the holders of the biggest cup in the world. Wow. See, now I wish I knew that information because all the abuse I get on Twitter, I could throw that back. Yeah, but go on. Well, now now, you now, can. Now, now, I can now. Yeah, but what are you going to say? Go on. What was the name of the trophy, Carl? Uh, what Neil said. Oh, there you go. Say what Neil said. <laughs> it's a great website to go into. There's a couple of things I wanted to just go to, which I thought were, were were fantastic. But it seems to be like an Aladdin's cave full of all of this stuff. Go there, have a look at it. But in the meantime, I've got you here, so I'm going to bore you silly here. Match boots, shorts, and socks. You have in there. Now talk about a thorn between two roses here. <laughs> Paul Furlong's Reebok match-worn boots, Troy Deeney's match-worn boots, and then Obialari's match-worn boots. <laughs> now, that has a rarity value more than anybody knows because he, he played for, I think it was 45 minutes worth of football, wasn't it? Obialari. Two sub-appearances for five million quid. So Not there the is... best value. Definitely not. Definitely not. I worked it out. It was £82,000 per minute he cost us in transfer fees alone. And that's net because we got some back from him. Never mind. Never mind. That that another day. We're talking about this. But to see to see those boots on there are great. Hi, this is Nigel Gibbs and you're listening to the Do Not Scratch Your Eyes podcast. You mentioned, obviously, you'll go around and take the photographs of it, but what about people if they're abroad and they've got stuff? Are, are they okay to kind of click on there and just talk to you about what they might have? Yeah, yeah absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. In the um, history section, there's a section for fans' memories. So we've only got three entries in there at the moment. One of them is from my dad, who uh, um, sadly passed away this year, but uh, managed to prize some stories out of him before you know he passed away. And it's, it's nice to have a little tribute to him. We've got a tribute to a chap called Reg Tilbury, who was a, a massive supporter for years and years. And, you know, anyone that wants to contribute, if you just want to contribute stories of your time supporting Watford, or if, if you want to contribute pictures, if you're if you're abroad, if you want to pay for us to come over, then we'll do it. <laughs> um, otherwise, you can send us some photos and we'll, we'll kind of tart them up and, and stick them on the side. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. 
Away days are great, but there's nothing quite like playing at home. The same goes for McDonald's. Maximise your home ground advantage with McDelivery. You in? Order now on the McDonald's app. <whistles> at participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery fee and terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Fantastic. This is good. So not only were there handbooks, not only were there football, uh, football boots, etc., which I immediately jumped on, but the paintings are fabulous. Now, anybody who did get along to the to the, the hundred years at the big will have seen that there was the original of the Terry Chalice painting of of you know of Elton John astride a hornet, and it, it's a fantastic piece. But it's also the other pieces, the kind of almost juxtapositions. There's an ink study of Dave Underwood. Now, Dave Underwood was a goalkeeper in the fifties. I know this because for, for for no good reason other than com- complete anorakness. But he did, and there's not one but two ink drawings of Dave Underwood. What was the story behind those? Right. So what it is? So sorry, Tom. I'll let you get the word in edgeway. So there's. In the painting section, there's five pictures. There's um, three paintings and two drawings. Of the five, four of them were done in the early 1950s by a chap called um, Hubert Andrew Freef. One of them was in the exhibition, which was uh, uh, the Watford dressing room, which is a fa- fabulous picture that we had on loan from the National Football Museum. That was painted for a um, FA painting competition where the FA thought there's a lot of fine art for cricket and for horse racing and stuff, but no one really wanted to do decent paintings of football. So they had a, a huge exhibition. The story of this is uh, on the website as well under the, the uh, history section, watfordgold.org.uk. That, that competition was won by L.S. Lowry um, and his, his famous painting going to the match, which I think sold for several million pounds earlier this year. You could probably pick up the Watford one for a bit less than that. But um, so those, those ink drawings are kind of his practice. There's another picture there that's a black and white painting, um, which is absolutely gorgeous. Um, Football in the Snow at Watford, it's called. It was very confusing for us for a long while. But then Colin Payne, who uh, I think is a friend of the podcast, realised yes. that the, the painting is the wrong way round. So uh, um, <laughs> they're standing next to the main stand, but it looks like they're standing next to the old Trodale stand. It's a fabulous painting. I would recommend anyone to just go and have a quick look at it at watfordgold.org.uk. Have I said that yet? About eight remember. times, but we don't mind. Yeah. It's fine. It's <laughs> fine. Yeah. It's- yeah. <laughs> the fact that we'll put a link into the podcast is fine. No trouble. <laughs> <laughs> this, this will get done. This will get done. Now, one of the things, because there's so much there, you also issue an item of the week. And I want to find out who decides, one, who gets to pick the item of the week each day, each each week, sorry. And and how do you individually decide? I'm gonna to go to Tom for this. Tom. Does Neil monopolise this like everything else? I couldn't possibly say, Peter. <laughs> I am laughing. <laughs> no, no, not at all. It's um, it's it's wholly democratic, and we um, you know, we've both got quite heavily overlapping taste in the types of things which pique our interest. Hence, collaborating on the project, and hence, sort of being quite overlapping in terms of our collecting rivalry. I think Neil, it's fair to say there's there's many things in your collection which I covet quite quite intensely, and I'm sure it's the same the other way around. So the the same sorts of things tend to appeal to us, but uh, yeah, we we more or less alternate. Yeah. There are there are some gorgeous ones. The one that piqued my interest was there's a piece in there. Do go in and see it, and it's a program from 1914, and it's the whites and stripes. What was that? Yeah, well, so I understand it, it would have been the pre-season, uh, effectively friendly, where the entire squad was divided between two notionally different teams one played in white weight one played in stripes 
for the uh, management effectively to decide which were were good enough to play in the first eleven. And people came in and watched this. As, this was done as, a, as as you say, like a preseason friendly amongst ourselves sort of thing. More or yeah. less, yeah. I mean, that that notion endured for for quite a number of years into the 1960s, and it would draw the low thousands in quite frequently in terms of attendances. Um, probably down to sort of uh, starvation from the beautiful game during the summer and uh, plenty of people who weren't interesting, interested too much in watching cricket, just desperate for some football. I think we should bring this back. This is all these Quite things right we should too. be bringing yeah, back. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> this yeah. is fantastic. There's another item that was on item of the week. I'm just trying to find it. It's the oldest known Watford programme from 1907. So at the moment on the website, we've got the oldest known home programme, 1907, and the oldest known first team away programme, which I think is 1912, something like that. So if anyone's got any older programmes than that, we would be very, very happy to take photos of them and show them off for you. Wow. Wonderful stuff. Wonderful stuff. I like this. I like this a lot. Now, I've got to ask a question of each of you. Let's imagine we were playing a game here where you could go and take one item from each other's collections that you just mentioned, Tom, that oh. you cover you cover dearly. Oh, oh no! You're able you're able to to go in, Tom. What what would you what would you most take from Neil's prize catalogue? Don't forget, obviously, Neil's going to get to come and nick it back again. Uh, he had to yeah. do something else. Yes. What what act of treachery could I uh, undertake? <laughs> it would probably involve three years of uh, intense weight training first, because. Uh, I'm fairly sure Neil knows that the turnstile that he's recently acquired is a a fantastic piece. And if he were sufficiently distracted and uh, and temporarily (laughs) deaf, then he'd probably not hear me sneak that away, scraping it across his kitchen floor. To to be honest, it'd probably be worth it because I'd be around Tom's house nicking his 1969 match-worn shirt that he's got. That's an obvious choice for me. That was an, an item of the week as well. But what an absolute beauty of a shirt that is. It's I would probably swap half my collection for that one. Who wore the shirt? Do you know who wore the shirt in 1969? 1969. So it's a number 12, probably worn in the FA Cup semi-final against Chelsea. Wow, okay. Blimey. Yeah, Yeah, I'm just just hoping, obviously, you know, you don't do this because it sounds as though we've kind of facilitated it somehow. So uh, let's hope (laughs) you kind of, you know, don't... You're opening old sores. Yeah, I can tell. I can tell. I I think if Tom did his one, it would be in the Watford Observer. So we'd probably read about all about it. Well, yeah, or we'd be in A&E probably trying to... Yeah, yeah. Yeah. As this is all kind of... As it's all digitised, obviously, you've also got film archive in there. Now, when I started off a couple of years ago, uh, You Warns TV, I thought I'd done rather well. I thought I'd done rather well finding a bit of footage of the 1969 aforementioned uh, season, Liverpool 1-0. I thought that that was good. You've rather outdone me there, haven't you? In terms of vintage footage, you go back a little further and some. Well, we've only got four videos on the site at the moment. We will have the colour version of that very ending goal on the site fairly soon because most of it's in black and white, but we've got the goal in colour. The the oldest film that we've got on there is from, I think, 1922 against Spurs. And it's a cracking bit of film. It's absolutely brilliant. So um, we've got that um, with authorisation of the uh, British Film Institute. And it's got Skilly Williams in goal, who was a little short, fat goalkeeper who was about five foot three or something like that. He was an absolute legend. He was brilliant in goal, and you can see him. It's an absolute crazy bit of film. 
Um, oh wow! Well, he was he was the grandfather of Danny Greaves. That's it. Yes, yeah, so as I well think... as, as as well as Darren Greaves. I was with Aylesbury, Aylesbury United with both of them. I saw Darren the other day because his son is now playing in the under twenty ones as well. I mean, That's there's right. a real heritage from Skilly Williams comes down there. That's amazing. Yeah, I, think, I think there's four generations of the of the Williams Stroke Greaves, fam- Greaves family played in Watford teams. So you know they've really been involved. But uh, there's a couple of videos also from the 1930s and there's a 1960s game against Peterborough where Pat Jennings is in goal for Watford and uh, you can see he was going to be a world-class goalkeeper in that game because we were absolutely terrible. And Bobby Bell, who uh, I met a few times, uh, scores an own goal for Watford in that one. Oh, so yeah. there's, only four, there's only four videos on that. That's something that we're going to be working on. I've got, there's, there's quite a few that we've got. You know, stuff going back to the, the early, mid-70s as well. There's also, we've been, not promised, but we've been told about um, videos of the Baileys Nights that they used oh, to hold. Oh, right. But um, we're not sure we'll be able no. to those because they're not entirely politically correct, a lot of them. No, <laughs> no, 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 no. no. It's, it's, it's interesting you mentioned Bobby Bell because years and years ago when I started work back in the early 90s, I was working um, in a local venue and this guy was sort of working with me, and a Scottish guy, and he said, oh, you know, do you, do you like football? I said, oh, you know, I support Watford because I used to play for him and I, I did not believe him. I said, no, you didn't. You've not played for Watford. Yes, I did. So and what we did in the end was we went down to WH Smith and he got that centenary book out and he opened the page and goes there you go that's me and I was like oh my god so I worked with Bobby Bell for quite a while he's a lovely guy he was a lovely did he go yeah. work for Rolls Royce after he was at Watford I think he did I think so yeah he lived in he lived in Abbots Langley when I yeah. when I met him yeah, yeah. That yeah, he had, he had two plastic knees and a plastic hip, I think, by the time I met him. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, he was a lovely guy, but of course I didn't believe him. I was like, no, you didn't. You never played for Watford. And then he had to go and pull, call me out, and of course he did. But uh, yeah, fantastic. Yeah, so those clips are on the um, on the website already, are they? Yes, yep. yeah. So yep. there's, there's only four on there at the moment, but that that's something we're working on at the moment, so that will be going up um, fairly soon. So the ones the pe- up there at the moment are the 1920s, 1930s, and 1960s. Ah, I was going to say the Peterborough game. What what kind of date was that? Roughly was that, was that in the fifties or nineteen sixty three? In fact, I'll tell ah. you the exact date. Um, the first uh, FA Cup first round, sixteenth of November, nineteen sixty three. Good luck. Um, was that the one that was on? Was it on like Match of the Day or Grandstand or it, it was TV coverage of that? Wasn't there? Um, yes, yes. So it's it's from the TV broadcast. Um, there's another one that's going to go on, which is I think is Watford against Rotherham in 1969, and uh, they weren't supposed to be filming that, but because Watford had covered their pitch with straw, um, it was the only game that was on in the local area. They were supposed to be showing Chelsea, and then they went to Arsenal, and all the games were being called off, and they ended up with Watford against uh, um, Rotherham as their star game for the week. It wouldn't happen nowadays. No. Well, straw. I mean, in the 70s, straw side of pitch was like it was like commonplace. It's something we should bring back. It used to look like they just kind of gone. Oh, you know, we'll, we'll play a football game and then and then do a nativity play or something. There was just so much of this stuff around. What can we do? What's the latest kind of thing that Scott Tingley could use? I know straw. What? <laughs> anyway, yeah, yeah. It's either that or sand, wasn't it? In the uh, in the uh, six yard box, it seems to be sand. Oh sort yeah, of tons and tons of sand. Yeah, <laughs> well, the whole pitch a lot of the time. Yeah, true. But uh, yeah, the other time there would have been straw on the pitch is when they had horse shows in the middle of the season as well. Oh, brilliant. Um, I think that was the 1920s. <laughs> we'll be having the programmes for that on the website soon as well. So I was going to say, has anybody found the hair from the dog track yet, or has that, has that not surfaced? <laughs> Is that something you're still looking for? I don't know. That sounds a bit wrong to me. <laughs> 
we mentioned previously the the motorcycle football oh, yeah. that, that took place on the pitch. Have you got anything in terms of documenting that? Because I know that was something that was spoken about during the uh, during the hundred years of the Vic. Yeah. Now we didn't manage to get those up on the wall for the uh, for the exhibition, but they are absolutely fantastic pictures. So there's two things on the website. So if you go into the history section, there's a section called What for Curiosities, and that has got a story by Tom to say about the the stuff that went on along with uh, a Watford Motorcycle Club badge of course because it's Tom and then the memorabilia section there's a section called and I'm just looking for it, original photographs and in there there's a, a set of pictures of photos from the motorbike football and not only is it brilliant seeing the pictures but you can see the original stands in the background so there's the original rookery um stand that was uh, carried over from casio road in one of them so there's a set of um, i think it's nine photos on the site and they're absolutely brilliant they're worth seeing on their own my favorite story about the motorcycle football is that the, the watford team was effectively completely co-opted to become the england team motorcycle football and they played against the germans in 1936 under the twin towers and we beat them grief oh good grief 30 whole years (laughs) under world war before the famous victory of 1966 i i I am so glad that sylvester stallone did not get wind of this otherwise (laughs) escape to victory would have had a very different ending you know you can imagine go well steve mcqueen jumps a you know jumps a razor wire with a bike why can't i because you're in goal sylvester to try and catch the bloody thing Oh dear. So, gents, your deep dive, as I as I think about it, is as you mentioned earlier on, Neil, you with the with the match worn shirts, and Tom, you with the enamel badges. How did you get into getting into the enamel badges? We heard from Neil that your your, your brother going in and let, let's say acquiring, shall we? I think I think that acquiring, seems suitably yeah. uh, suitably yeah. non litigious shirts from uh, from whilst working in the ground. Was well, there, well, I should say, get I should say at this point. My brother never actually stole anything. He was always given oh, them. Right. But yeah. oh, don't worry. Don't worry. We, we, we fell just short of that. Don't worry. We, we never want to let the truth get in the way of a good story. That's fine. But Tom, how did you get into enamel badges? How did this bite at you in terms of uh, collections? I, I really can't beat Neil's story, to be honest with you. It's, it's not, it's not going to be as swashbuckling as that, to be honest with you. I, I don't know what it was really. Going into the Hornet shop in the 97 98 season, first of the consecutive promotions with Graham Taylor. I think I was 11 or 12 at the time and um, I just wanted to own everything in the shop and even now looking through the uh, memorabilia the merchandise catalogue from that season is is um, it's just an exercise in wishing that I bought even more than I did but during that season there was a a kind of a flip top box presentation set of all of the um all of the Watford badges from history but as enamel badges in this uh, in this green velvet lined box and uh, I think it's hard to understate that that really sort of kicked off a love not only of collecting badges buying that and also when I visited new grounds I think Norwich City the following season was my first away ground my obsessive personality meant that it wasn't long before I'd done all the 92 <laughs> football league grounds and bought a badge from every single one of them but that sort of it's kicked off not only that sort of interest in badges but in Watford memorabilia and football memorabilia as a whole and um, it's an obsession which has lasted all this time I, I think yeah. in summary it's Tom and shiny things 
Oh, maybe magpie, magpie, magpie. I'll tell you what I had in the Hornet shop around that time, which they don't do anymore. Is those little mini kits you could stick on the window in your car. Whatever happened to those? Yeah. They were fantastic. You're, well, you'll be finding out what happened to a lot of them because they're all going onto the uh, website very shortly. Actually, ah, there you go. <laughs> I was in the loft looking for them earlier. So. Oh, really? I had, a, I had a CTX one. You know the uh, the one that we got promoted in ninety seven, ninety eight. I had one of those that was stuck on my uh, window of my uh, car, but you can't, you just can't get them anymore. And if you're very yeah, lucky, I'll, I'll, uh, Tom will give you a do not scratch your eyes badge. Let me see you as well, so you can have for your collections. <laughs> One to say, actually, when you know Tom was worried that his story didn't sound exciting, the person that that uh, you should talk to about acquiring things is going to be Guy Murdoch, as we mentioned earlier, because I think that railway sign, Watford Stadium Hall, I think it says on it, it's about yeah. six or eight foot long. I think he was drunk when he decided he was going to take that home, I suspect, and just carried it home. As far as I'm concerned, he's a legend. Yeah. yeah. Oh, he's definitely a legend. He's He's got a couple of match-worn shirts that I'm trying to get off in. Uh, he's got the 73 home and away shirts, which are absolutely gorgeous. I <laughs> found Lewis McGugan's match-worn boots uh, the other day. Well, they'll that's, have to go on tonight. That's silence. random. Absolute silence. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, pristine, no doubt. <laughs> oh, well, I'll tell you the other thing. I've, uh, the other one I've got, I've got um, Daryl Yammat's boots that he scored the goal against Southampton in. Oh my word! We're going to have to come around to your house. And, yeah, right. they've, they've got his they've got his daughter's name on it because he's got the Holland badge on the back. But I'll I'll, uh, I'll send you some pictures of them. Lewis McGugans are beautiful because they're Puma Kings and they're in the colour of Watford. Uh, they're red, black, and yellow. They are things of beauty. Well, well this is what this is what we this is what we mean here. If you go to you know, if you've got any of these sort of things, I mean, who knew that Carl had got Lewis McGugan's boots? <laughs> yeah, they're in my down, they're in my downstairs toilet, just sitting there. Just oh, why do you introduce your toilet there every bloody time? I don't want to know about the contents of your loo. End of. Um, but if you go to watfordgold.org.uk, see, we can all do that one now, um, and go to the and go to the contribute button. If you've got something of interest, go and share it with everybody because. That's what this is. It doesn't matter where you are or if you can get to the ground or not. This stuff is all available online and it's fantastic. Not only that, it's also just given us the idea for getting Mario Gaspar on a motorbike so that he can keep up with the championship. <laughs> that would be great. Very good, Peter. Very good. There you go. There you go. You know, we, we, we move forward whilst moving back. I think that's important stuff. <laughs> Do go along. Do go and take a look at this stuff because it's it's there and it is absolutely everybody's history. Go mm. back and go back and have a look at this stuff. It brings it absolutely to life and it's wonderful. One question that I haven't been able to see is anything. We, we mentioned the Hornet shop because, of course, that's where so much memorabilia came from. What about the Hornet shop itself? Because the first one that I remember, and that doesn't necessarily mean it was the first one, was in the was in the the arcade or the uh, the, the arcade on, on Vicarage yeah. Road, and a, it's been which is a Chinese, yeah, now, isn't it? Only because. Justin's pointed it out where it was. Yeah, it was I on the corner. It's next door yeah. to the Chinese, so it's the second shop. Oh, it was the second so shop. One on the actual oh, corner. second one. The next one along, yeah. And uh, that's that's where my brother worked for a while with um, Tony Marks. So that stuff's coming on at some some point soon as well. We've got photos of a lot of Tony Marks's collection, which a lot of it's very unique. Um, and uh, we've got a lot of photos of the, the different Hornet shops. We've got oh, stuff brilliant. Ian Sewell, who took over after Tony and my brother had run the club. Ian is a real character. I mean, I don't know if you remember the um, 
uh, when the club sold bricks from the Vicarage Road. Oh, Peter's territory. I I think I may recall that somehow. (laughs) Well, it it was Ian that uh, used to hang around on match days when Watford were playing away. He used to hang around the ground. And when they were knocking it down, he thought, oh, I know, I could sell these. So he literally went and climbed over the rubble himself, got bits of floodlights, bits of terrace, little bits of that, and then made them, got a company to make them into memorabilia. So, And he's a cracking bloke. He's got some great stories as well. Yeah, with all that will be coming on the website. So you, what you'll see is on the website is there's a, a lot of things that, you know, where you've got club documents where there's currently only seven things on there, but that's we're, we're kind of holding things back so that we can have items of the week and we can add things all the time just to keep some interest. So if anyone wants to kind of revisit the website, then you'll see that there's more being added all the time. It is an absolute, it's a treasure trove. It is Watford Gold. If you haven't um, yet bought anything like the Watford Treasury, which obviously the guys are involved with as well, and or YBR, which the guys are involved in as well. But obviously that's not quite so good because we're also involved in that on occasions as well. So, you know, they they, they clearly have a, a lower door policy on that one. But you, it, there was in the, in the latest edition, there is one where Colin speaks to you about it, and there's another load of kind of pictures about it, so you can see everything that's there. There's there's so much rich history and stuff in in the Watford Treasury, and I think the latest one's about to about to come out as well, isn't it? It, it was on sale at the last game, so uh, if anyone wants to uh, buy the latest copy of the the Treasury, it's it's another good one. And I'm trying to remember the uh, URL. I think it's WatfordTreasury.co.uk. There you go. It's all good. I'll, I'll be getting that whilst I also get 20% off of 100 Years at the Vic book, <laughs> which, I'll, which I'll open up and go, bloody hell, he signed this one as well. Never mind. <laughs> Thank you very much indeed, Neil and Tom, for joining us this evening and uh, for sharing some of the stories behind Watford Gold. I hope everybody will now go out and uh, have a look at the website, contribute and uh, all the rest of it. Good luck with that, guys. Thank you very much for joining us. Thank you. It's been Thank a you. Cheers, Cheers, guys. It's the 90th minute. All your mates around, you've got your McNuggets share boxes ready to go. Your mates already got booked for double dipping and you steal the last nugget. Snatching all three points. Perfect. Order McDelivery now on the McDonald's app. You in? At participating restaurants, 18 plus. Serving times, delivery free in terms apply. See mcdonalds.com. Okay, I have two new obsessions that I need to share with you. Impress No Glue Press-On Manny's and Impress Press-On Falsies Lashes. Trust me, these are getting ready game changers. Both require no glue, so there is no damage to your natural nails and lashes, no mess, and no annoying dry times. Just one step and you're done. Boom. Instant glam. Visit impressbeauty.com slash press on and use code press on 25 at checkout for 25% off impress manicure and press on falsies. This podcast is proud to be part of the Talk Sport Fan Network. Talk Sport. Powered by fans.